Hi, what's up, y'all? This is Santosh Kumar, your host for Run Yogi Diaries, Pondering While Wandering, and also a big namaste, just practicing a safe way of saying hello. In this show, I'd like to bring stories of uh, ordinary folks on extraordinary journeys. These are folks that I've known well, and some of them who have just uh, crossed my path. But they would want to bring their perspective on how they have taken on journeys on endurance sports, like ultra running, ultra hiking, uh, triathlons, and ultra biking. So let's see who's on the show today. Hi. Today I have a, um, a very close friend of mine, someone that um, I respect a lot, and uh, we have the same name, first name. And if my dad had not uh, named uh, my last name based on his, I think I may even have the last name as his. So uh, welcome to the sh uh, show, uh, my dear friend, who's a intellectual, uh, a seeker, uh, a runner, an endurance sports enthusiast. Uh, he solves some uh, very complex puzzles that I've never been able to understand, but he does it. Um, so welcome to the show, Santosh Ayer. Hey, SK. Thank you for the flattering introduction. The respect is mutual. All right. So Santosh, you know, um, uh, we really got close as friends back in Memphis. And uh, in fact, we started our uh, running journey together. Um, and um, I remember uh, you were on some kind of a, a corporate weight loss program. And I said, I'll join you for the runs. And the rest is history. We ran a lot of marathons together. So. So first off, uh, really happy to have you in the show. Uh, you have a lot to offer as a human being, uh, as a person that I know. Um, so we'll go over many topics that's of interest to you and will be of interest to our audience. Okay. So first off, sure. um, talk to us about who you are, your background, where you come from. Was endurance sports <clears throat> a part of your childhood? How did, how did it all happen? Talk to us about that. So, so of course, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's always nice to know what uh, the world feels interesting. I, I don't see myself as an, as an exciting person, but, uh, but yes, I've been blessed to have certain experiences that, uh, that, that you recognize as, as being special. So thanks for that. I, um, I, you know, from India, I live in the U.S. of course now, but I was born in Kerala, lived most of my life in Mumbai. Uh, there is no sport gene in my family, so there's absolutely been no physicality ever in, in, in my life or anybody in my family's life. So, so when I approached uh, uh, running, it wasn't as if I was approaching running. Like you rightly said, you know, uh, you know, we were. I was always fond of eating, and and so I needed some weight loss at the time. So I approached it as a, as a means to an end, right? Just just to get uh, my weight down. Fortunately, there was stimulus from the outside. Uh, you know, the, my client at the time, they had a big program, you know, it was like a contest, they had gamified it, so we were all up to it. But as we started, it became it became more and more serious, you know, uh, in terms of, hey, if I have to get running better, I need to control my nutrition, I need to control my uh, poor habits. And then, you know, on one day, it just kind of switched where I said, why am I pursuing a negative goal of losing something, right? Uh, and uh, looking upon food as an enemy, right? I should pursue a positive goal, which is achieving something. And then food becomes my friend, right? Not just food, but you know, the, you know, the very habits that I consider deprivation, right? Getting up early to do something hard while others are blissfully sleeping is one way of putting it. The other way of putting it is getting up early, getting something done before the world has even started doing anything, right? Is the other way of putting it, right? 
So that's how this, this, the switch happened in my mind in terms of moving towards uh, running. And then it was easy after that point, uh, you know, we, we started thinking in multiples of the distance around the lake and uh, the trails that we used to do so many times at the lake, so many times on the, the trail would give us five miles and 10 miles. And so it was interesting to see that journey progress. And then it became all about the running and the weight loss was a complete byproduct. And when we did that, actually the weight loss became better because we were actually pushing ourselves harder. Uh, it was not just weight was reducing. I think the body was becoming better truly. It's about reconfiguring your muscles and your fat and, and things started improving much faster. So uh, I personally felt that uh, anytime, you know, we want to approach a goal like this, uh, I feel it's far more effective to, to shoot for something bigger than, uh, you know, just a negative goal. And that's a bit of a background. You were part of the journey. You, were, you never had that uh, weight loss problem, of course. Uh, you were already a runner in some ways. Uh, so your experiences combined with our discovery and, and I think external stimulus combined and, and you know, resonated well, I, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, all good things in life happens when you uh, pick something, pick a goal bigger than what you think is possible and then you impulsively commit to it. And I know uh, our uh, <clears throat> first half marathon was an impulse decision. And uh, our... Uh, I think the first marathon also was an impulse decision and said, okay, let's go do it. And then we figured out how to do it. And so talk to us about your first marathon. I, I think that was in Buffalo, New York. If I wasn't that the first one you did. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, it was in Buffalo, New York. And I think it was uh, uh, after your first one. I mean, you uh, out of the blue committed to running a marathon and, and did it. And I was having this, uh, you know, some kind of glass ceiling kind of thing on my, in my head in terms of the goals saying, hey, half marathon I've done, but full marathon is inconceivable. But then uh, I think you're, you're doing it first to kind of help break the glass ceiling. And even then I was uh, my usual careful self. I picked a destination where even if my marathon doesn't go well, I've got the Niagara Falls to see, right? So, hey, for having made the trip all the way, we'll make a, you know, vacation out of it. But... Uh, I would say I was uh, insanely prepared compared to, compared to the rest of the marathons. I read everything there is out there to read about marathoning. Uh, and by the time I was, uh, you know, considering my physical, uh, you know, parameters, I think I was running well as well. So I should, in hindsight, have been more confident. Uh, uh, it, was a, it was a great race. And uh, I did all the beginner mistakes. I went out too fast. Two weeks of taper were... Um, and it was basically making me antsy in the beginning. And uh, I still remember uh, the first 20 miles being brilliant, the last six miles being a death march. But overall, I think the timing was good, um, you know, considering it was, my, it was my first race. And, uh, you know, true to my style, I did go back and analyze what happened. And I remember a photograph that Rohit, I mean, our common friend, he was there with me as well. Uh, he clicked at mile nine. And there's this picture of me with a couple of other runners in the background and I could see their bib numbers. So at the end, I went and checked their timing. I, I finished at 4.22 and, and these people finished at 3.50 and 3.45. You know, these were times that my body was not ready for yet, right? So clearly I was running two notches above my league uh, in early part of the marathon. Lots of learnings as well. So I knew that you know, one, of the, uh, one of the conclusions for me was that I need to start slow and there's always time to pick up the pace at the end, uh, but the reverse is not possible. Right? Right. So a great experience, enjoyed it thoroughly. And then once you check that box and you know you can do it, then you know, then it's all about where else can I do it, right? So 16 yeah. more of them followed. 
as as you know. Wow, that's amazing. <clears throat> and uh, I know you're a, you're a vegetarian, uh, and you know there are a lot of myths around <clears throat> endurance sports and uh, having to eat uh, uh, you know meat for uh, proteins. But you being a vegetarian and now a vegan, right? So uh, <clears throat> talk to us about how how do you manage being a vegetarian? What are the practical tips you can give? Uh, to our uh, audience about uh, a how did you manage your uh, endurance sports pursuits being a vegetarian and b uh, how do you manage being a vegetarian in the western world and you've been in the west <clears throat> for a long time including europe yeah yeah so let me answer the second question first i mean it's you know in, i'm sure back at the day when 20 30 years back people used to move to the us uh, or anywhere in the western world for that matter and i've had the you know the experience of living in europe as well uh it you know i'm sure it felt uh, less easy than it is today i mean today it's it's uh, we don't even think about it right there's infinite choices as a vegetarian i have not felt deprived a single day of my living here or in or in europe and you could eat thai you could eat mediterranean you could eat italian you could eat indian you could eat ethiopian i mean the list is endless <clears throat> but to your first question which is uh, you know being vegetarian as a long distance runner uh, that too, I think, is uh, you know, I think, is a fear that that exists among among people who are used to eating meat, used to hearing the the sound bite that meat equal to protein and everything else is inferior, right? I don't believe so. I think there is plenty of uh, good protein in vegetarian diets. Um, you know, there is uh, this legumes and there is uh, you know greens have protein, and of course there is the convenience of uh, you know buying. Uh, you know, a protein powder on the side, right? So at the very least, if you really want to feel good about having the right amount of protein, uh, even if it's an unbased beer, how do you care? You just, you know, plunk some protein powder into a smoothie and you're done, right? So protein wasn't uh, an issue. I mean, but diet on the whole, I mean, I, I do think that uh, the fatty nature of some of the stuff that we eat, um, you know, the oily stuff that we crave, uh, those are enemies. Those are really enemies, and I could I could sense that. At some point, there's a fork in the road. It's just like smokers who decide to run. At some point, there's a fork in the road saying, "Do I care enough about smoking to not run better than this?" Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same for everybody. This fork happens a little bit later if you're a if you're used to indulging, and then you have to say, "Hey, is that packet of cookies or that that you know that budgie or whatever is that is that attractive enough for me to say goodbye to a good run tomorrow?" So. Uh, at least how my mind works is that when I'm committed to a goal, then I, you know, kind of align the rest of the world along with it for, for myself. So it was easy to give up all those uh, indulgences. And once that is out of the way, I consider diet as something that, uh, you know, you get enough of good stuff. If you can avoid the bad stuff, you're you're set. Right? I would say that more than diet, what I found that we ignore is um, injuries. I mean, that, uh, that I thought was a far bigger lesson for myself, you know, uh, we, in our fervor and our enthusiasm, we, you know, overstretch, we uh, uh, not not overstretch, but, you know, uh, uh, do too much, too fast, right? So taking it slow and easy, not just starting races slower, starting runs slower, but starting your progression also slower, right? Keeping it well-paced and giving yourself time. I still remember we did our first half marathon within six weeks of starting to run. It's insane. It's insane. It's unnecessary, right? We pulled it off, but... Uh, it wasn't required. And at some point, injuries did catch up with me. Uh, and, you know, the, the sudden switch of lifestyle also caught up with me. I yo-yoed multiple times between being fit and being not so fit. So I would say, you know, having a more considered measured approach uh, is, is probably worth its weight in gold. 
Right, and I think I've always seen you come back. You know, uh, I know I've, I've, uh, I've, I'm aware of some of the uh, injuries you dealt with, but you always come back, and uh, and that's a great mindset. Um, I think a lot of our uh, people who are listening to this are probably, you know, in their early days as uh, uh, you know, pursuing their endurance goals, and um, they get worried. Oh my God, you know, I got a little leg pain here or uh, or a knee pain there. And uh, I think you are a, a great uh, testimony of uh, none of that is permanent. Uh, it heals sometime. And if you use the right nutritional strategies, and that you use the right strategy, you'll come back. Um, so, uh, so that's a great uh, time to also talk to you about, uh, you also become a vegan, so it's not just vegetarian, right? Uh, you move to a vegan lifestyle. Uh, so talk to you about what is veganism, why veganism, uh, why would why should someone who's pursuing fitness and well-being pursue vegans? Got it. So um, let me let me start off by saying that you know my answers may may not please all the purists out there, right? Okay. Um, and I honestly don't care, right? Uh, you know the right definition is that you know we as humans somehow have trained ourselves to believe that everything that's out there is available to exploit, right? In fact, uh, you know, not too long before now, even humans were fair game to exploit. Well, even today, for that matter, right? So uh, anything that's non-human, of course, is for us to exploit, right? So, uh, and that's the way the world has been, right? Whether you, whether it's about, uh, you know, digging into the earth and picking out minerals or consuming oil or throwing, you know, uh, littering or, you know, uh, polluting the air or uh, cultivating animals just to cull them, kill them, use them, eat them, right? So, my, uh, so veganism, ethical veganism, is uh, the choice to not exploit animals um, for one's own good. Now, there is a limit to how much you can do this, right? Uh, you know, you can go to the extreme and say, hey, I'm killing bacteria when I'm having antibiotics or whatever. That's ridiculous extremes. Or even if you go and do your shopping at Costco, they sell meat and, and your, your business, your revenue actually, you know, helps them sell the meat, right? So in, in one way. So there are, there are limits beyond which we can't go, but to the extent that we can control and to the extent that is fairly easily practical, right? Not uh, exploit animals for your own good. That's ethical veganism. The reason I introduced the term ethical veganism is different from, uh, you know, there are people who turn vegan for uh, their own good. Nothing, no harm in that. The outcome is still the same, but the driver is different. Like people say, hey, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. I think it's... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it skips me now on, on Netflix. It's a movie, right? Talk about the pro athletes who gave up uh, meat, mm -hmm. right? And that, that's shown that they improve their performance, improve their endurance, right? And also improves their body parameters. Uh, so that is also true veganism, except it's not driven by ethical reasons. Mm -hmm. I personally am vegan for ethical reasons. I was woken up to this fact by a very good friend of mine who's been vegan for 15 years now. And has always been trying to, you know, educate me about uh, the issues that are that that lurk behind, you know, the the apparent happy cows give great milk, right? Uh, so he simply said, just follow the money, right? Just follow the money. Just put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's running a dairy or a meat business and think about what will give you profits, right? It is impossible to make profits in a commodity like that without uh, doing the obvious stuff. You know, it's it's about production. So if you if something is not producing as well, you let go of it and bring something else that's fertile and producing. So you know, it's, it's natural to kill male calves. It's, you know, cows get culled for, uh, you know, for parts of their body after their milking days are over. 
after they are spent, right? So the economics of the industry force you to behave in a certain way. Now, this is not the truth that is revealed to everybody. Uh, but if you think, you know, if you're mindful about what you're having and you think a little bit about where it comes from, not just mindful about what you're eating, but where it comes from, it becomes very obvious very quickly that the industry is built on cruelty. So the choice is, he said, look, now you know it, right? Now the choice is, you know, I, I you know, he used some words uh, to prod me. But then the choice was, hey, you can be stupid or you can be willfully denying this, right? Stupid because you don't realize it or willfully denying. So for me, he made it as stark a choice. And honestly, I'm a vegetarian since birth, so it was fairly easy for me to switch. Many times I found the switch is just as simple as buying from this aisle versus buying from this aisle, right? If I'm buying vegan leather shoes, uh, vegan leather is like paw leather. You know, it's about going to one website, picking one product versus another. So long as it functions the same, how do I care, right? So frankly, 50% of the switch is just, you know, absolutely you won't even notice that you've switched, right? And the rest is, is, uh, is not as hard as people see it. It's not the biggest obstacle for people, you know, in terms of turning vegan is uh, that they feel there's some deprivation involved, right? I'm going to lose out on, you know, X or Y, and I'm, I'm going to have bad tasting food. So... Shameless plug, but very relevant. I mean, I would, uh, Anusha, my wife, she's a vegan as well, slightly longer than I've been. She's got an Instagram uh, page, Yummy Atra. Her goal is just put, you know, interesting recipes that are easy to make, tasty. Well, if you get good food, then how, you know, it's easy. It's not a much of a sacrifice. And for all the athletes out there, you know, consider this, uh, at least, you know, at the very least, it'll improve your body. It'll improve your performance. It's proven. But, you know, your side benefits are your ethical as well. Okay. So that's my, that's my philosophy experience. Uh, it's been uh, now, well, 2016, so it's three and a half years now. And uh, there are times when I have slipped or in times when I did not have the ability to be fully vegan, uh, you know, especially during travel, a particular meal here or there. But uh, at home, it's been 100% vegan. I travel most, most of the times vegan. And I've just found that it's easy and uh, you feel better as well. Great. Full disclosure, I'm not a vegan. Uh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not I, I know that. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but I, respect, uh, I respect that point of view. Uh, you know, I think uh, the world is full of ideas, uh, you know, and uh, it's very important to get uh, these ideas out. Uh, now, whether you choose to, you know, uh, pick it up and make it a lifestyle or not uh, is, a, is an individual choice. But I think your, uh, you know, your uh, uh, case for it is very compelling, especially coming from, uh, you know, ethics. And I know you are also a seeker, and uh, you are a, you are someone who uh, who is uh, pursuing uh, minimalism and uh, uh, compassion as a lifestyle. So, uh, talk to about minimalism. How what is minimalism, and uh, how do you practice that in your life? So, uh, sure, uh, SK, I, I think I should make one more point because you said you're not a vegan. I've got a small message for people who are not vegan yet. Don't fret. It's not about making a switch overnight. It doesn't need to be. Purist vegans are going to hate me when I say this. Uh, and that's when I said my message may diverge from theirs. I don't think it's any problem to do meatless Mondays. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, pro it's a problem to try out a good dish. So what if it's vegan? It's incidental that it's vegan. Try it. You like it. You'll, you try two, three times and it becomes a part of your staple diet. And then that's one meal less that you're being non-vegan and you're not missing anything, right? So it's okay for the switch to be gradual. You know, 
and i'll go out on a limb and say that you know for the next few years you're not vegan it doesn't matter just make sure that you're progressing in the right direction and uh, i'm sure if somebody listens to this some of those vegans are going to be like hurling bricks and stones at me i'm fine with that that is a small message sorry for the digression but um, back to minimalism your question so let me uh, let me speak about what it's not right because most people have a misconception of what minimalism is the term may be misleading people think it's about doing less of something right uh, it's about miserliness and it's about economy or it's about whatever it's about giving up right that's that's what the term suggests it is indeed about doing less but less is more right so i would define it as uh, uh, you know doing less of what you have to do so you can do more of what you want to do right uh, it's about freedom right so today if i if i have to sustain a huge home and i need to have these you know fancy cars and i need to be wearing you know clothes that my neighbors will approve of right and i need to have a certain kind of granite flooring or a certain kind of furniture because you know when miss a or miss b comes home that they would be impressed uh true yeah that's that's one way to think about it but uh, what happens is that you're slaving away the, the, the stuff owns you because you now have to pay for it uh you now have to work probably 5 years longer to to ensure that you've got a house that is you know 250000 dollars more um you know and then uh, you have to clean all that stuff and you need to you know uh, if you have horizontal services you need to have stuff to put on them right and you need to have room to keep them and it's just it's uh, it's just uh, blows out of proportion right uh and frankly all of this for what for not it doesn't give you intrinsic pleasure if it does go for it and then it doesn't matter a miss a or miss b or your neighbor it's not for them it's for you right so i would say that uh, i consider time as the most valuable commodity more than more than money more than anything else and that's the one thing that's for sure is running out right that's that's a given right the clock is ticking at the same pace so how do i make the most out of my my seconds here right so the more i end up doing what i uh, need to do what i have to do uh, then i i compress the time that's available for what i want to do and so it's just plain logical for me that uh, let me not do that let me not do that trade off right let me keep what i want to do as a center so and i'm applying it to all all aspects of my life it's not just about expenses it's about things it's about people so i have a close circle of friends uh, and you know uh, you know we've been uh, we've been close enough for the last so many years and and you know that so i'm not a big hob number uh, you know don't believe in having 500 people that i want to keep up with i want to keep up with my 30 and and keep up with them well uh, because i like spending time with them right um, similarly i've stopped you know i i live in a house that is you know 1400 square feet and perfect space for the three of us family of three and and uh, neo right uh, uh, our dog so it's perfect it's got enough room when guests come in uh, it's got no excess room there's not even a single room in the house that we don't use um uh, you know we didn't uh, go out and buy any fancy cars and uh, i think that the other thing that it does is uh, when stuff gets out of the way you have room for experiences right so you can go out and travel more right you can go out and, and do more things and uh, as we've all seen from all happiness studies experiences are uh, far more um, you know they count a lot more in your happiness than stuff right you don't get uh, hedonistically adapted to experiences uh, like you get to stuff so that's my view on minimalism uh, it it helped that i was always that way that i wasn't attached to stuff much ever uh, you know that's i'm blessed that i'm that way but 
my family is also very much in in tune with that uh, anusha is uh, my wife she's uh, you know very adaptable she quickly adapted this lifestyle she likes it gaia is natively going up that way it, it's again not much of a sacrifice it's just you know is this the way we are yeah no I, what i hear you know when you say uh, these two topics on veganism and minimalism is that uh, i hear someone in pursuit of a conscious living you know uh, you know we all uh, end up uh, living lives uh, 45 50 60 years and a lot of what who we are and what we do is automatic and there's enough uh, studies now on neuroscience that shows that free will is actually a myth um mm-hmm. that a lot of a uh, uh, lot of choices that one makes is automatic it's given by culture there's a lot of stored memory in our brain um so in a lot of what you're saying you know uh, in terms of uh, living ethically uh, living say it's a pursuit of living consciously overriding uh, basal instincts uh, to live a uh, live a, a higher order of life obviously that for selfish reasons you know it gives you happiness you 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 you're healthier uh, just for selfish reasons not for any moral reason or any political or ideological reasons but just for your own self will be so that's what i hear uh, in what you're saying so i know uh, you said minimalism allows you to do a lot of uh, things that are interesting especially travel and i know you're a big traveler and uh, and you did a mega travel uh to accomplish a bucket list which not many people would do um you spent 30 days uh, if i recall out there uh hiking the camino uh, santiago um we'd love to hear so talk to us about why did you pick that as your bucket list you know what what is the why behind it uh what do you discover about yourself in the journey uh talk to us about that give us uh, maybe start with some logistical information on if someone wants to do it what do they do and then give us something about what was it for you like sure now i realize i'm doing this in every question but your comment uh i have to address that superbly articulated you said you know you talked about being conscious of your living and you called it higher order living i couldn't have put it better myself um there is this word that is uh, uh you know mindfulness which many of us would have heard right so being mindful is just being conscious being aware of what you're doing and i see you know whether it's veganism whether it is minimalism are just different uh, are just is just mindfulness at play right it's mindfulness when you eat and you think about you, you don't uh, you know just eat food automatically but you think about where it comes from you might reach veganism as a conclusion when you look at stuff and you look at buying it lead to your life you think about uh, it mindfully it it would lead you to minimalism as a conclusion so you were bang on and uh, i'm probably going to steal uh, the way you described it when i described it to friends yeah, next sure. now coming to the santiago oh that's one of the best experiences of my life um, so let me most people don't know what it is so i probably add a couple of lines on what it is first first of all so it coming to the santiago is it translates to way of st james and it is uh, santiago st james uh, in, in spanish and it is it is a it's a medieval christian pilgrimage route right now there are many routes that go from different parts of europe and they all converge into this one city called santiago de compostela in uh, uh, northwest of spain and that's where st james is supposed to be buried <clears throat> i'm not religious i'm not christian um 
but the journey has evolved now into being a journey of various kinds of various people. It is religious for the people who are seeking to go to the church. Uh, it is uh, spiritual for people who want to take some time off and, and think and, and uh, you know, do something different as, it, as they're thinking. Uh, it is sport for many people. It's an adventure. Right? There are people who do it on a bike. There are people who do it on horseback. There are people who, like me who do it walking. Depending upon the route you choose, the, the distances vary. I pick the one that's called Camino Francis, which is the most uh, common route. It starts from uh, a, a town called Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port in, in France. It is on the border. It's in the, on the French side of the border between France and Spain. Uh, and it's just by the Pyrenees, which is the natural border between the two countries. And then you climb over the mountain, enter Spain, and then you walk all through uh, the width of Spain and you reach this town. And that's where your journey ends. Now, there is another extension called the Camino Finisterre. Finisterre means end of the world, uh, literally in, in Latin. So that's basically continuing from that point, from that town, Santiago de Composilla, all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. It's just another 100 kilometers, three days of walk. And then you get to finish the Atlantic Ocean. So in my case, I chose for the Atlantic Ocean to be a more logical endpoint. Um, why this? Uh, why take this journey at all? And why this journey and not some other journey? So, uh, SK, you know our lives, and we are, you know, deep in the commercial domain. Uh, you know, like anybody who is a working professional, you know, every conversation at work, it's all about money, money, money. You know, hey, this conversation, am I making the revenue out of it? Is it profitable for me? Right? What are you gaining out of it? It's all about money all the time, and uh, we end up spending, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours doing just this, right? So we kind of condition to think about everything. Hey, what's in it for me? What's the utility of this conversation? And then in the precious little time that, that leaves us, there's not much else, you know, in terms of variety of people that we meet, right? It's the same friends who work in the same kind of companies. They get together on the weekend and half the time talk about work and it's just a bubble, right? So how do, you know, I really wanted to kind of detox myself from, from this way of thinking. And also open myself up to seeing, meeting some people who are not driven like, like this, right? It is, not, it is not common. And like you said, it's beyond the realm of possibility for most people because they make it so, right? So people like this do not do that, right? And therefore, people who do that are going to be different. So when I go and meet them, I'm going to, first of all, meet kindred spirits who want to do something different. And, and they could be from any other background, right? And indeed, it was amazing. I mean, the, 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 I'll come back to the logistics of it, but you know, just to complete this thought, there were people from all walks of life, you know, young people, old people, people starting off on their careers and their lives, and people who are, who are in the fag end of it, very, very old people, people who are dealing with a problem, people who are there for adventure, uh, you know, commercially highly successful people as well, right? So it breaks, the, it breaks the monotony. It gets you exposed to a different set of people. It snaps you out of your normal way of thinking and probably drives home some home truths that you can then carry on for the rest of your life. So that was the intent. It was a vague, um, vague notion, but I knew that it's different enough for me to come back with something, right? Now, what I came back with was specific and that's post the experience, right? I'll, I'll cover that later. Uh, logistics wise, it is, uh, so like I said, it's in, it's in Europe, so it's a developed part of the world. Um, why this journey? Why didn't I just choose to walk the same distance in the US somewhere, right? What we need, what I needed at that point was not a physical roughing it kind of a journey, like the Appalachian Trail, amazing, beautiful solitude, but it's rough, right? I mean, I have to tent every night, I have to look out for bears and not meet people for days on end. That's not what I was after, right? I was after the ability to think. So I was not after a physical journey. I was after a mental and spiritual journey. 
and so i needed to get the physical stuff out of the way so i needed places to stay that are that are reasonable right i if i can get a bed in a dorm i'm good with that right bunk is good with that good i want to find food i don't want to struggle for it i don't want to cook i don't want to lug a huge amount of stuff it's about uh, snapping out of what i am what i'm doing right so hence i wanted something that is fairly uh, popular in the sense that many people do it enough for there to be infrastructure to support something like this and this is no brainer this is the most popular you walk you don't walk through crazy terrain you do have mountains that you have to, that you have to cross but it's a well worn path well signposted right you're not going to be you know in wilderness without a you know without a cell phone connection i had a spanish cell phone the whole time so it just was a logical you know practical choice right in terms of going there second i watched this movie uh, and um, you know um, again the way the way that's the name of the movie the way so it is a hollywood movie and it it basically set in the coming of the santiago about a doctor whose son does the journey but dies just as he was starting the journey and the doctor goes there and and they had an estranged sort of relationship the doctor goes there to pick up his stuff and then he on an impulse decides to complete the journey and his experiences and how he comes back a transformed person right uh, that's the most popular you know that's the most easy way to find out more about the camino but there's hundreds of videos out there i was uh, in awe of this whole thing right this whole experience a friend of mine prabhu he had done a part of it and he was always waxing eloquent about that that one week that he did so I, that's how i i picked uh, that place um do you want me to cover something like preparation sorry no and and i think uh, you know what uh, i want to say is that um, what you said uh, uh, you know somewhere uh, hides the fact that you were out there walking for 500 miles so um, it's a phenomenal feat right you were out there 30 days it's almost like a uh, induction into monkhood right uh, you know i've heard of people going to these uh, 30 days i mean if i five i'm sure most of us who are listening to this probably saying if i was out there for 3 days i might want to get back and look at my whatsapp and social media because that's how we got we have got wired today right but it's an amazing feat that you have accomplished you know uh, while the practical aspect of it you say but what you did is no way practical it's an amazing feat of endurance it's a feat of mental uh, fortitude discipline um so you know really great uh, so talk to us about if somebody wants to do it right uh, how do they start talk about some training tips i know you went you were doing a lot of training before you went so give us some tips so that people who want who are interested to get going some on something like this can either reach you or learn something sure sure so the distance that i did was about uh, 575 miles so it's uh, roughly uh, you know 60 miles 60 65 miles for the the from coming of the santiago to the ocean so if you don't want to do that then it it reduces to 515 but still a fairly last distance and over 30 days you don't first of all you don't have to do over 30 days you can take 50 days it doesn't matter it just uh, depends on what your life allows you to do many people i know and i met on the on the journey uh, were not doing it in one stretch they used to do sections so they people who live in europe especially they can come do a week go back and then next year do another week from where they left off and continue on over four five years they complete the journey so there are many ways of doing it no one way it's your journey uh, your rules right it's a public road um, you're not following any group that's the best part right but uh, i think it's very important that it be long right so you don't snap out of something in a in a day or a couple of days or even a week for the matter uh, so when i started on the journey and i think i'm in france and i have to reach the atlantic ocean 
right? And it's going to be 30 days. And after the first day, you realize, oh my gosh, a day is long, right? So it seems interminable. For all practical purposes, you cannot see the end of it, right? The other thing is it's a one-way journey, right? It's not a loop. So it's not like you can keep some stuff there, come back on your next loop, pick it up. Once you leave your place, the last time you're going to see it, at least on that trip, right? So, uh, so which means that everything you have, you carry, right? And uh, a pound is, uh, you know, feels like a ton when you carry it, lug it over hundreds of miles, right? So the whole discipline of, uh, uh, you know, what feels like, oh, how am I going to manage with uh, 20 pounds or whatever, right? Uh, through this entire journey, I'm like, what, what if it rains or, you know, what if uh, this happens? What if it feels cold? I need to have winter wear and what if I get hurt, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of what ifs that people think about and plan for. So the first thing that I would... I would say somebody needs to do is to decide what not to take, right? What we need is surprisingly little. We are going to pass a big city every week uh, in that journey anyway. You know, when you start, you pass through Pamplona, then in another week you pass Burgos, then in another week you pass Leon, and by the time you're so into the journey, you, you get the hang of it, right? And and then you reach Santiago. So it's it's honestly no big deal. But you don't know that when you start, right? Second is uh, food. As a vegetarian, I mean, it was another thing that we had to think about because uh you know it's a meat loving country especially you know in the cities there's no problem you get everything you want you get vegan food um i did enjoy vegan food at a restaurant named gaia incidentally uh, in leon but for most of the journey you've been small villages tiny villages 50 people 100 people but we have to remember that these are villages that are that exist and and cater to travelers and these travelers are multicultural right so uh, you do get pasta. I mean, everybody would make a generic pasta, pretty good. You get salads all the time, no problem. You know, you get, uh, you know, the specialties, delicacies of each region. And uh, like there is this Torta uh, de Galicia, which is the last final part of the journey. Amazing cake. I wasn't vegan then, it's not vegan. But um, so you, you, there's enough food. And the worst days, there's some days you have to eat your bunch of fries and they've got this nice sauce that goes with it. Uh, unhealthy, but who cares? You're burning, uh, you know, truckloads of calories. Uh, so I ate, you know, more than my fair share of fries and, and came out much thinner at the end. Um, so packing is super important. Second is quality of gear, right? Do not compromise on quality of gear. Get the best, uh, best backpack you can get. We still use this backpack for all our trips. These are deceptively small looking but they can pack a lot. Not only they can pack a lot, they have all these nifty pockets and, you know, things that you can stuff, stuff, hang stuff, you know, uh, you have carabiners and you've got side pockets and front pockets and pouches and all of that. So amazing variety of storage in that little bag. But second is the way it is designed. And I never knew this at all until I went to Aria and got myself fitted and you had to get yourself fitted for a backpack, right? You can't just buy one that you like and the color that you like. And when I got myself fitted, and he started nipping and tucking those different, uh, you know, uh, straps on the bag and suddenly started feeling like part of me, right? It's just stuck in the right places and the weight was getting distributed. So you have a strap on your chest, you have a strap on your waist, you have your, you know, shoulder strap and the weight was getting distributed uniformly across all of those and, you know, 20 pounds just melted away, right? So 20 is not much, but when you have to walk a long distance, it melts away. Uh, third is I did carry, you know, 22, I think finally, but then first half of the journey i had shoulder ache and i had to you know walk with one shoulder strap off that just makes it worse for the other shoulder right then i realized i'm not using half the stuff so i i i threw some stuff and and i had a couple of friends on part of the journey that were with me that went back uh, after they did their week or 10 days uh, prabhu and shashi so i 
gave my stuff to them to mail it back home. And I walked with 14 pounds for the second half of the journey. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I was on air, right? By the time my body had shed weight, you know, my lungs were, you know, filling with oxygen because I've already walked like, well, I don't know, 250 miles. And, uh, you know, so the so backpack is one with you. So that's one. Shoes, right? You have to buy the best possible shoes. You don't want to get stuck, you know, in a, you know, uh, in a 900 kilometer journey with your shoes giving way in some time, right? You have a choice of buying low cut or high cut boots. And I bought slightly higher cut because you do have to cross certain areas where it's like a stream or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to put your foot in it. You don't walk with wet socks most of the way. The shoes that I bought were waterproof. Uh, the name of the brand is Loa Renegades for those who are interested. There are many other uh, competing brands. For Loa Renegades, I would vouch for them any day. I walked a thousand kilometers in them and they were just as new at the end. Amazing. Right? Not even a single drop of water entered my foot throughout the journey. Right? Uh, third is breaking in. These shoes are, are heavy. They're not like a running shoes. They're quite heavy. So uh, break in those shoes before you go, which leads me to training because you might as well train in them. Right? So I used to take a backpack, fill it up with stuff. We used to fill it up with, uh, you know, Indian store uh, uh, dals, right? The four, four pound baggage and put like 20 pounds in there, put water bottles. And I trekked, um, I walked, went with a few friends to a local parks and I trekked on the roads just to get experience of different kinds of terrain, right? One which is smooth, one which is rough. I also did some steps. Uh, and then I pushed the distances and then I started feeling for how the bag feels on me. How do I... Uh, when it aches here, I pull this strap, it aches here, I pull this strap. So you get a feel for all of that, right? You know how your shoes behave. I also learned to walk with my hiking poles. Uh, they're very, very useful. There are times when you rely on it. There are steep uh, inclines downwards that, are, you know, you really have to break your, um, otherwise you could topple, sharp stones, rounded stones. So you have to get used to walking with those poles. Um, so I did that kind of training. Uh, you know, distances weren't that much. Weather was in the way when I was doing my training. But then I don't think you can fairly train for something like this to the fullest extent. And the, the initial part is always about learning and then later on. So I still maintain that the first week, 10 days is about getting the physicality of the journey out of the way. Right, right equipment, you know, right pacing, you know, make sure that you have blisters, for example. You can have blisters and they can kill your journey, right? You have a blister today and then you have to walk 20 miles on it tomorrow. And every day is a 20 mile journey, right? So, how, you know, if you have blisters, you better take care of them right then and there, right? Um, and the better the equipment, the fewer the blisters. So once you have got all of that right, then you're free and liberated. Then you have your mental part of your journey, which is the second half, right? Um, I hope that helps. I mean, you know, yes, of course, people are free to contact me. Yeah. yeah so, um, uh, you know, first off, I never knew that you, uh, you get fitted for a backpack. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I have a bicycle that got fitted for me, but... Uh, can't imagine getting fitted for a backpack, but that makes a lot of sense. If you want to be with it for that long, then it makes a lot of sense. So uh, I'll definitely like to, I know you have a blog on this as well. And uh, if you're okay to share that, I can share that in the uh, meeting, you know, the uh, show notes. Uh, if people sure. want to read about your journey and want to contact you uh, more about this information, uh, you know, that'd be a great place to go, right? Absolutely. Uh, I can share the URL with you. And, uh, uh, you know, you said about being distanced from social media, that is kind of the only media that I had to connect. Uh, one thing I neglected to mention is that, you know, while doing something that is quite different from our usual life, uh, you know, I thought it's, it's a great opportunity to do something good for the world as well. So, you know, it raised some funds for three causes that are, that are dear to me. And uh, many friends, you including, 
contributed generously. Uh, so the causes were, you know, education for the underprivileged and taking care of animals and the environment. And uh, people had a choice to contribute to whichever cause they wanted. And all, all of my friends were very, very generous. So I owed it to all the people who contributed uh, to give them an update on where I am. So that's what drove the blog. But then it ended up being a way for me to record my own memories and experiences. And I, to this day, I go back and read it, you know, once in a while, just reliving those memories. Uh, so this May, I completed four years after the journey. So I did one whole round of the blog again in May. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'll share with you the URL. Yeah, yeah. Happy to. Great. So, uh, Santosh, uh, I think it was a. Uh, I really loved this conversation, and um, I think we touched on some very, very uh, deep and uh, topics that people will need to uh, probably pursue and introspect even further. Uh, these are, uh, but these are very important topics, and I'd definitely like to share your contact on the meeting notes through the blog. And if people want to talk to you about some of these topics, they can reach out to you. Um, so, any last word? I mean. Uh, uh, before we, uh, you know, wind up the show. So let me think, um, you know, I, I think what you said stayed with me. And I think that is, uh, the whole, the whole, Hey, we live life in a, in a certain pre-programmed way. And, uh, uh, some of us are fortunate, uh, uh, all of, many of us are fortunate to have basically been snapped out of the world we were born in to the world where we're living in today which is very different, right? Beliefs are different, uh, you know, culture is different, uh, everything is different. So we, uh, for, for at least uh, for us, right, I can speak for us, we have seen that there are multiple ways of, valid ways of living life. And so there's, you don't have to live the way you were born, mm -hmm. right? So you can, you can choose to live other ways. And so, you know, when we are making the choice of living life in one way versus another, uh, I think it's just one or two steps away from thinking about, do I follow this herd now instead of following that herd? Uh, why do I follow a herd at all? And when it was okay for me to say goodbye to that herd, why am I now automatically joining another herd? Right? So, um, so I would, I would think that there's a huge amount of potential hidden in everybody's life. And, and I still search for that potential in, in, in my life. Um, and I think that a little bit of search yields a ton of results, right? So I would encourage people to question, um, you know, consumption, uh, the way we consume it. And this consumption is not just food, not just stuff, not just money, not just time. It's all of it. So uh, I, I, towards a more mindful future for everybody is what I would, what my last, you know, parting message would be. Great. No, thanks a lot, Santosh, for joining the show. Um, I'm sure, uh, uh, I hope everybody uh, enjoys this conversation, takes something away and uh, would like to think further. Um, so thanks a lot. Um, until the next time, uh, have a great day and have a wonderful weekend. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to all your further future episodes as well. I'm sure I'm going to be uh, listening intently and enjoying the conversation. Thanks, SK. Thank Talk you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.